this week, Michael and I turned up the nitrous. And then after we finished at the dentist, we watched The Fast and the Furious. Welcome back to How Did You Miss This, a show where we watched uh, pretty important movies that uh, some of us missed the first time around. I'm Evan Toller-Hickey, and with me as always, Michael Hansen and Krista Shane. Today, we are discussing a 2001 film that launched a mega franchise, The Fast and the Furious. I'm going to go on record here, as I have gone on record before, saying that I unironically love this franchise. It probably doesn't surprise you guys. You probably hated this film. Chris and Michael, how did you miss this? Uh, I can tell you that this is a movie that was um, set up in every way to be all the things I don't like. Uh, It is a movie about Cars, which I don't have much use for uh, or love of. Uh, It was um, an action movie that was, you know, from everything I read and heard about it, a very nonsensical kind of story and whatever. And especially as as the the series has grown uh, and continued over the years, like a thing that I become even that much more aware of where they're like physics, gravity. Don't need those. Let's go. We have cars. And so I think uh, having missed the original because it's like eh, cars and whatever and hokey action movies and whatever and eh, not my thing. And then just knowing kind of that the, the series has gotten even more, you know, wacky and crazy over time. I, I guess I was just like, this isn't a thing for me, but I, I, I'm very excited to talk about what I thought about this movie. Michael, what about you? I think you captured incredibly well because the, Original one, when I heard about it, there was nothing to hook me in or reel me in, like nothing about it at all, exactly for the same reasons you did. West Coast, cars, tank tops, like there was just nothing. And then as it became bigger and bigger, it tapped into all of these things that we're even less interested in. So how did I miss it? The uh, here, Here's a, a big uh, admission, listener. Uh, I missed this. I went back to this and uh, please don't make the same mistake I did. I went back to listen to it. Uh, to watch a movie called Fast and Furious, which to my dismay turned out to be not the first movie in the franchise. That's a 2009 movie. And the actual first movie is a 2001 movie called The Fast and The Furious. Uh, So not only did I miss it, but I missed two of them uh, in a row. Um, So I'll be very interested in talking about, you know, what what I liked about I mean, one. it's it's understandable when you get this many movies in this series that at some point you just run out of titles where you're just like, I don't know, still fast and furious, maybe more fast and more furious, still pretty furious. Like there's just only so many titles you can have. Right. Evan, I, I'm curious for you. How many times have you seen this movie? I have seen uh, this first movie uh, three, three or four times. Um, the 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 movie, the first of, of the franchise that I saw in theaters was uh, the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. And that is the third one in the series. And it really kind of captured my heart. I love um, car racing games. 
is one of my absolute favorite genre of video games. Carve video games where you go fast and physics really isn't much That was of, the wrong uh, F word. You said yeah. fast and physics. No, it's yeah, furious. It's fast it's furious. physics. Yeah. Uh, I really, like, I, I like the fast and no physics. So I'm not right. super into, like, the Gran Turismo games, but boy, oh boy, do I loves me the Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Right. So this uh, this film just kind of like it it really tapped into that part of of my geekdom and uh, and I I really unabashedly unironically unequivocally love these movies again like so many of the movies that I said that I've I've loved that I've made you watch. Um, these are flawed movies. These are incredibly imperfect movies, but they bring me a huge amount of joy. And not the least because this is one of the few original idea films that then goes on and spawns a, a mega franchise. And we're recording this uh, with with the 10th Fast, the Fast and Furious movie ready to come out. 11th, if you count uh, the Fast and Furious present Hobbs and Shaw. And um, that is an amazing thing to me. So maybe on that note, just, you know, talking about where this movie came from and its original kind of IP that came came in uh, here. Like, let, let's talk a little bit about how this movie came about. And I think the interesting thing about this is this is actually based off of, um, you know, uh, uh, an article uh, all about street racing uh, in New York City. And it's like the real life of street racers. And, you know, how what does that look like? How does that sound? How what are they like? What is the lifestyle? What is the culture? Which then kind of spawns this 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 movie. Uh, and this is written by Gary Scott Thompson. Uh, and I think one of the interesting things that happened is, you know, that that story got moved from New York to L.A., uh, and suddenly it goes from just being this this New York story to being this multicultural cast in a very multicultural city telling an insane story. But we'll get into that. Um, and so, like, I think it's a fascinating beginning for this franchise because it is this, uh, you know, subculture that. I don't think I'd really seen or heard of. I don't think anybody was really aware of before this movie came out. And suddenly, you know, it's thrust into the spotlight. I think it is interesting as a, as the spot of a franchise, because I thought about this to say this movie is to other franchises, what uh, Rambo one was, or you look at Rocky one, where you say these were very realistic, very sincere movies that tried to tell a real story. And then you get into Rambo 3, you get into Rocky 4 and Drago, and it's just like this a whole different thing. Very entertainment, uh, entertaining, very, very successful, but they're very different from the thing that spawned uh, both of them. This movie, I will will argue, is it takes a lot of really serious uh, turns and, and makes like some real points about what you mentioned around the, the, the culture. There are a whole bunch of things that they do that I think show respect to the thing. And then later they take off into this, well, what could we do with a 
tank driving off a bridge, um, which is more like the Rocky Four thing, right? But like as an idea that spawned a thing, it's really interesting to kind of keep that in mind when, when you look at the subsequent movies. Mm, and I, I think that one of the reasons this movie kind of resonates the way it does is because they moved it from uh, New York to L.A. and and made it a multicultural cast. And that's really thanks in part, uh, to large part, um, to one of the um, rewriters on the on the film, which is David Ayer, who is, would be maybe best known for writing Training Day. Um, before he, before he, he did, um, the rewrites on the fast and the furious and, and he came up in, um, in LA and LA is all about car culture. Like we said, sort of in, in the enter the dragon podcast, um, you cannot de downplay the fact that this is like a, a major action franchise with a multicultural cast. Yeah. And that is really, really, really cool. And and to see it come from sort of these very humble beginnings, you know, sort of thirty eight million dollar budget, um, you know, Vin Diesel in one of his sort of first leading roles, I think Pitch Black had come out just a little bit earlier than that. Um, when he Paul wasn't, Wa- he wasn't, he didn't have a main role in that movie. So that's where he played Riddick for the first time, which turned into the Riddick series. But that was just still kind of a supporting role right, within right. within that story. And uh, yeah, and and an early role for Paul Walker. I think he had uh, he had, I think just done the Skulls, which I believe Rob Cohen directed as well. The director of of Fast and Furious, the Fast and the Furious, um, and so that there was already a connection there. But like Michelle Rodriguez, not particularly known at that time. Jordana Brewster, definitely not known at the time. Um, you know, I feel like it feels like the kind of the biggest names in it were like Paul Walker and like Ja Rule. Yeah, it's it, it is interesting going back because looking at this movie at the time, um, you know, looking at what Vin Diesel had done up to then, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. He had a supporting role in um, Saving Private Ryan. OK, yeah, right. It was Composo in that. And then it's like, oh, yeah, he was in Boiler Room. That's right. And it's like, yeah, Vin Diesel actually had a number of really good films and interestingly like you know he got his start one of the uh, how he got um noticed by steven spielberg to get into saving private ryan was actually ba- making uh producing directing his own movie called multifacial which is all about being this um you know uh multi-ethnic person stuck in this interview or in, um auditioning process uh and then sending that uh getting it that at con getting it noticed by spielberg writing spielberg and then kind of tying this into this series which you know tying it back to the whole thing of like this is like a very multicultural cast with lots of people from different places and having vin diesel kind of connected into it and being like oh yeah he's actually made some really good movies before he got into this series which i'd kind of forgotten about so it's really cool that he got his first you know big step up into a leading role uh in this film so you know this movie comes out uh the summer of of 2001 as we said sort of 38 million dollar budget which is is a a small ish budget for uh, a studio film it goes on to make over 200 million dollars worldwide so it's obviously tapping into something um you know, so-so reviews when it when it comes out, people are like, 
it's it's fun. Go for a brainless movie. Um, definitely, people aren't <laughs> seeing the the insane potential that this movie ends up having. Seventy four percent score for the audience on Rotten Tomatoes, and not even the the best of the franchise. Chris and Michael, now that you have seen it, you're aware that that the tenth movie is coming out uh, this year. So, what did you think? I judged this from the and again, I watched the worst movie in the franchise first. So by the time I watched this one, I was like, "Hey, this is very good," because for me, everything was a step up. Literally everything about this, except for. Um, you know, CG and and some of the effects that they were by then eight years older, everything else was a step up. So I was I was actually really pleased with this movie. I thought they treated characters well. They had much more realistic representation of the whole thing, like the racing culture and the people who attend and the the motorheads who who are there. Um so so yeah, no, I actually I, I quite like that part. I, I, I will say that I genuinely uh, enjoyed this movie. Um, I, I, I think to Evan's point, there's definitely flaws in this. There are quarter mile flaws that they could have a full on race on. Um, but I mean, I think I think it, it it's a really fun and genuine movie. It's. You know, it's got some plot around it to to make it happen, which is just enough to make it go. But like, I think some of the performances in here are great. I was surprised by how good I thought they were. Uh, I was surprised at um, the like how just powerful uh, at points this movie feels and how fun this movie feels at points. And it's like, you know, it's a popcorn summer movie, right? Like it's enjoyable for that reason and it's fun to watch and, you know, you don't necessarily leave a changed person, but it's a fun watch while you're watching it. So I was happy to have seen it. Hey, Evan, you've seen this a bunch of times. What did you think of this movie? I I love this movie, Chris. Um, I love this franchise. Uh, I am uh, I am f- f- the Fast and the Furious ride or die. I, I, I will watch all of these movies a quarter mile at a time. That doesn't matter whether you watch them a quarter mile at a time or by an inch and you still watch <laughs> the movies. movies. Uh, and on that note, we'll take a quick break. Uh, and on the other side, we'll talk about all the things that make this movie so fast and so furious. All right, welcome back. We are going to start our engines and boosts with some Nas, because that's what you do, apparently, to get things going. So uh, we are going to be talking about the Fast and the Furious, uh, spoiling everything, so you have been warned. Um, What's this movie about? Well, this movie revolves around an undercover cop, Brian O'Connor, who has to investigate a gang of street racers who are suspected of hijacking trucks, 
Brian becomes enamored with the street racing culture. He develops a friendship with Dominic Toretto, uh, the leader of this gang who's suspected of these hijackings. And as he gets closer to Dom, his sister Mia and the crew, he finds himself torn between his loyalty to the police and his loyalty to his new friends. Things heat up as the investigation heats up and things escalate between Brian and Dom. So this is a story that in lots of ways makes a lot of sense or just enough sense in other ways kind of has some plot holes, which Dominic Toretto could jump his car through. Um, I'm curious about the base storyline for each of you. Like, is this point break in cars? This is absolutely point break in cars. I, I think that that's the you know that's the the big takeaway from this one, right? I mean, you've got uh, Brian O'Connor as uh, the Johnny Utah character. He's the uh, good-looking undercover cop who is infiltrating the uh, subculture gang of close-knit people, falls for one of the women in that gang, uh, is harassed by the right-hand man of the, uh, of the guy, uh, who, who runs the gang. So not Gary Busey in this case, um, <laughs> develops a bromance with, uh, the, the main target the, the, of the, the investigation. Yeah. Um, you know, this case, uh, Vin Diesel rather than Patrick Swayze and his incredible head of hair. And uh, in the end, lets the the person go. Except instead of surfboards, cars. Instead of surfboards or, or skydiving. Or skydiving, yeah, yeah. Cars. And uh, that is, that, that's, that's the movie. Do you think and that's what the pitch was for this movie? Point Break with Cars? Yeah. I wonder if they I wonder if they sort of pitched it as like kind of like a uh, a western maybe. But I mean Point Break with Cars is basically it. Yeah, and I and I think I think that's not even a complaint. Like I don't think that's a plot hole or an issue. I think that they do it really well because because what they do and this shocked me because again, I, I walked into this kind of expecting to not like it but what shocked me was like he did so many uh at so many turns he chose to tell the truth and he went against the obvious decisions he could have gone against the like you say the right hand man who'd been a jerk the entire time they'd had a conflict but he chooses to save him and he chooses to for the the opportunity to save his life he had to give away who he was and like all of these things that I thought were really meaningful and, and the acting supported it. So I actually thought this carried really, really well. Like I, I thought it was very well done, very well written and very well acted. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm sold. Now, I mean, it's driven in large parts by um, nonsense. I'll just say nonsense where they're like, we have to stop these truck hijackers who hijack trucks that are in motion instead of, you know, stealing them when they're parked which seems easier and no one's around also yeah, that wouldn't be cool they wouldn't be they wouldn't be driving stunt driving cars underneath trucks and like and shooting harpoons and climbing onto things the stunts in this movie the practical stunts in this movie are phenomenal and that's the thing that i love the most about all of these movies is the stunts 
let's talk about those practical stunts because I think those practical stunts are probably the standout in this movie, right? The, the, the driving, the cars, the races, like all of the stuff with cars is great. It's great. I don't know a better way of saying it. Like when they rev engines and you feel your house shake because of just the sheer throttle of the thing, it's great. Uh, and so let's talk about it. I mean, this is a movie that revolves around race scenes and races and like how, how good do you feel that those race scenes are? I mean, I think the race scenes are great. I, you know, I, you know, I don't like shaky cam, uh, but I feel like the that this movie and the cinematography really put you in the car you feel like you're you're racing along and and you know we when we did vertigo we talked about how um you know the the vertigo zoom kind of became uh invented and and became a standard uh use in the in the industry and you know cinematography comes out of that movie uh, or a piece of cinematography comes out of that movie it's the same thing with shockingly the fast and the furious um changed the way that um picture cars were filmed in in movies, something called the the Mick Rig, named after Mick Rogers, who was the um, stunt coordinator and the second unit director of the film, uh, where they put the frame of the picture car like super super low on a flatbed, so it's basically like it looks like it's on the road rather than um, where it was usually like quite raised up on the yeah, back a trailer of a, quite truck of a high. Kind of yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so you can get these really cool, really like almost realistic but very dynamic shots and i it just it i thought it was really lovely uh that the first truck heist they do um the the truck moves out and it's got rogers written across the side of it uh rogers with a d and it's just it's such a nice call out to a guy who who really kind of stamped the series um and and changed the way that that these kinds of of um action scenes are are shot I also thought like they they did a and maybe it was a limitation of the technology they had to do so many practical things because you you couldn't afford or practically to do uh, all special effects, but I really liked how serious they were about the the racing. So the uh, including the they actually made an effort of you know closing off all the streets and the whole thing around like tracking the the police stuff that in the the later movies are like yeah no, no let's not do that. that that doesn't make a difference it's cooler to just have you driving in regular traffic and also the the very selective use around like zooming in to inside the engine and seeing what's going on and when they're like igniting the the nitro i really liked how they had this inexperienced um paul walker character have such faith in technology but not getting the point around like the racing part you're racing the other person uh, i i thought that came across super well so i thought that was probably some of the, the best parts uh, of this movie. I thought they did it extremely well. And I'll even just say the, the, the driving throughout the practical stunts where, you know, especially later on where, um, uh, Dom is like, you know, hits the truck and flips his car and you get this shot of a flipping car going over another car underneath it. And you're like, Oh, that they actually did that. That is a very cool shot that they made there. And, you know, to your point, Michael, there's no special effects here. Like that's a car going over a car. 
like, wow, that's a, an amazing shot. The the stat I read about this movie was that they read uh, wrecked uh, 78 cars in the making of this movie. And apparently that's a very low car body count for the, this this series. But I mean, it's the movie that started it all. You got to start somewhere. But like. I mean, you, you definitely get a sense of like, okay, they blow a couple up, they wreck a couple do it, doing off the pipe jumps and, and stuff like that. But like, there's just something um, amazing about the way they, that they chose to do that. It feels really cool and, and like unique when they're doing some of those things. It's not just a, a, a car hitting a truck and flipping over. It's a car hitting a truck flipping over another car with one of your, you know, main, main people in it. I'm like, okay, that's at least... A, a unique take on a thing that you've seen a million times. One thing that might not fit into the category of practical effects is, and again, I watched the 2009 version before I watched this. So Vin Diesel in 2001 is what you would call a pretty big guy. Vin Diesel in 2009 is like one and a half times the size of that in terms of muscle mass. I could not believe how they evolved that character in this movie here he is a big guy but you know but then later when he's in was like holy crap so that technology if you will is also advanced <laughs> i think that's actually really interesting michael because uh it gives us one a really nice segue in talking about the evolution of these films but also that's something that you see like wait till you see you know fast 10 where he's you know, a, a mountain of a man, especially, you know, once he had to start fighting the rock in the fifth installment of the franchise, then you just have two giant men getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You see that in, in all the superhero movies too. You watch Captain America, the first Avenger, and you're like, yeah, Chris Evans is pretty jacked in that. And then you watch like, infinity war and you're like damn his like shoulders like how does he fit through doors in terms of the evolution of these films i mean this is a series that has had an extraordinary amount of staying power um that has done some really incredible pivots and and i think in some ways has had its fingers more on like the pulse of what the cinema going audience wants more than than just about anything else because it's gone from like they're heisting dvd players yeah. in in this movie they they're like saving the world by like i think you know number seven or eight it's like we need to stop like the nuclear codes from falling into the wrong hands kinds of thing they become superheroes um and and in the middle, it becomes sort of like the Italian job style of of heist. Like this is like we gone from like kind of petty robberies, still very cool with the moving trucks and the grappling guns and things like that, to um, hauling safes behind cars in the fifth uh, movie. To they go to outer space in the ninth in a car. I mean. Like just mwah, chef's kiss. I, I think that's that's one of the things I, I'm I'm interested to to 
to see after seeing the first one is the, you know, action movie inflation that inevitably happens, right? How do we top this? How do we do something better? How do we do something bigger and whatever? And, and, and seeing whether, um, you know, that, that jives with me or whether it makes my kind of like, ugh cars, uh, you know, become worse. I'm very interested to see where, where it does go, but, um, just bringing us back to number one, um, I'm, I'm very curious then, you know, the, the, the stunts, the races, the cars all look amazing too. I just wanted to point that out. And part of yeah. that, you know, as they have these giant scenes is partly because they did these call outs, uh, to like the race community and they just had a thousand people show up with their cars, which are all real street racing cars and real street racers all just to hang out and make these scenes, uh, look real. Uh, and they certainly like I mean, they feel like a movie version of a street race, but with real street racers there, like I'll give them that, you know, okay, sure. It's maybe not quite, um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is a real street race. I'm not a street racer. It could be true. Um, the one thing I will say that in terms of how this movie looks that I don't think stood up quite as well to the test of, of time, you know, 20, 22 years or whatever, since it first came out, the CGI isn't great. Oh no, no, it is not. <laughs> the 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 motion blur uh as they you know hit the nose and are racing at high speed like similar as you're like in star wars uh you know jumping uh from one point to another and the and the stars just blur beside you into solid lines of light i'm like okay i don't think the cars are going quite that fast maybe, maybe they are i don't know but they that, that there's a few things like that where um I didn't love the shot into the engine when they boost the Nas. Uh, so some of those CGI effects uh, I, I found maybe didn't still hold up quite as well, um, you know, 20 years later. But thankfully, they didn't use them much. I, and I think like you, you, it would be unfair to ask them to stand up because it's a little bit like watching Star Wars 1 Phantom Menace or watching the first Matrix where you would say like when you watched it, you would have said, Oh, that is incredible. And they look at it later or um, Lord of the Rings, first one. There are a whole bunch of ones where you kind of look at it and you go, well, clearly they, they're not going to stand up as well now. But I thought that the idea of how they used the effects, I thought was very good. Doing the thing around explaining to just a regular movie uh, watcher to kind of show what happens with the nitro and the pistons and all this like that, I thought was very clever. And they didn't do it with every shot. They did it with like the big, significant racing one. And you go like, oh, yeah, that, the technology behind it, but then also the human element of when do you ignite it? So I, I actually, I, I disagree. Like, I think maybe I should put it this way. I was less fussed about like, how does it look? And I thought that they just more about how they used it. And I thought they used it really well. I think uh, one of the big drivers of this movie is, pun intended, um, two of the main actors uh, who were kind of getting their start here. So um, Walker and Diesel are Dom Toretto and Brian O'Connor. Um, I'm, I'm curious what each of you thought about those two as kind of the, the, the leading men uh, in, in this one. Well, how did you think they uh, took on these roles and how, how, how did they do? Evan, I have a feeling I think I know your answer. So I'm curious about Michael, maybe. I, so I've only watched the two movies that I feel are the same movie. I felt I got to know them Eight percent, each of them. Like uh, there was just there were 
they said a few things and you get to see a little bit of emotion and something about honor and code and this and that, but it's just, I, I did not feel like I got to know the characters. And as a matter of fact, like after the 2009 movie, I couldn't even remember who the characters were and their names because it just wasn't important to, to the movie. Like they never really established who they are, or why they matter. So I don't think that the characters were that important, but in their interactions, some of the things that they said, like I could believe the, I need to do this thing because it's important to my code and where I come from. I could believe that. It's just, I couldn't tell you much about these characters other than, oh, my father died or this happened. And now I I haven't had the balls to drive his car since. Okay. Uh, you know, I think that, that in terms of, of chemistry on screen, that, uh, Walker and Diesel have it. Like I totally believe that bromance, and it's it's really interesting watching this movie and going like, oh damn! Like these two guys are stars. Like they have they have real star quality, and they're they have different kinds of of charisma that they're bringing to the screen, and it it works really well together. I feel like they're they're kind of made bigger than the sum of their parts by it. Uh it to me really sort of uh is core to the movie. You know, and and to your point Michael of of um you know, not getting who the characters are or seeing who the characters are. I, I think that, that that's definitely true in the case of, of Walker's character, in the case of Brian, um, that he truly is kind of like a blank slate. Like we, we really know nothing about him except that he is a cop and he likes to race things. And th- that is it. And he's handsome. And, and, and that's, it like that is all we know about him and to me that actually works really well because Toretto is so focused on family and this is the one constant so you know between races there is this idea of family and it is the thing that I think is really at the core of why these movies have had the longevity that they've had and and what is really at the the core of them is this idea of family and everybody kind of wants to be a a part of that and they really really play to that in every the every subsequent film gets more and more and more into this idea of family no we've got to save this guy because he's family no we don't leave him behind he's family or you know she may have turned on us but we know she's coming back to us because she's family and you can see this idea of family and this this um core group really kind of sucking brian in because he is such a blank slate and seems to have nothing else going on of course he would be attracted to this this really tight-knit group of people with a shared history you know who like to barbecue and and drink corona um but uh you know like we'll see that spin out more and more in in uh, every subsequent film until it I, becomes really the underlying thing of the franchise that pins it. 
I mean, I will, I will say I can't really fault him for choosing to hang out with the, you know, young, attractive, cool, partying, uh, race car drivers over the like bald, uncool cops who make iced cappuccinos. Um, I, I, I will say that I think for me, the, the big surprise watching this movie, I thought Paul Walker was okay. I think the chemistry between Walker and Diesel was great. I, I found myself surprised at how much I really liked Vin Diesel in this mm. movie, uh, especially having missed this series, right? Not having seen any of the Fast and Furious movies, um, but like having seen other things where he was a leading guy, like, you know, Triple X or the Riddick movies or whatever, where I was just like, nope, not for me. I don't think this is my guy. Uh, coming back and watching the first Fast and Furious, I was like, oh, I kind of get it now. I see why somebody would be like, Vin Diesel's cool. I like Vin Diesel. I'm like, I like Vin Diesel a lot in this movie. And I think him as Toretto is a very perfect fit. He seems like to really be in his element in that role. To your point, Evan, doing the like, you know, the head of this misfit little cast of, 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 you know, misfits or whatever, who have all come together and kind of found each other. And he's kind of the, the, the dad that he lost that is giving to everybody else. I'm like, I really liked him in that role. Sure. It's over the top at the times, but so is the whole movie. Uh, and I think he, he strikes that balance just right of being like honest and serious and whatever at the right times and being just like badass at the right times and being over the top at the right times. He, he strikes the right notes in this movie, which could have been really cheesy and corny otherwise. And I think without him uh, could have really gone off the rails uh, and didn't. And like, I think he's, he's a huge part of that. So I, I, I was genuinely surprised at how great I thought he was in this movie. Uh, and I mean, I get it now. So that, that was awesome. I'm curious what you, you guys thought about some of the other folks. Like this is a, a few fresh faces coming out of this movie, especially Michelle Rodriguez. Like this is an early role for her too. Yeah. I thought Michelle Rodriguez is was great in this. I think that that she is a little bit underplayed in this. She she definitely becomes a much bigger part of the franchise as it moves along and the love the love story that be, becomes sort of like operatic uh in its scope between uh Letty and Dom really is another one of those big sort of like family kind of thing and it is it's it's a becomes a very important part of the the 10 films you know i just saw uh dungeons and dragons honor among thieves which michelle rodriguez was kind of the muscle and the heart of that film and she was fantastic in that and it's so cool to see her i think this is like maybe one of her first couple of films i think she did girl fight yeah. Maybe before this, and that's basically it. But she's like, she she has a presence on screen. I think it's like it's great when she like cold clocks that guy at the uh, at the races and the she cousin or the brother or whatever yeah, Johnny like Tran, she, yeah. Asserting herself, uh, where where a lot of um, the women in this film are window dressing. Yeah, um, she really kind of um she's a girl who's a, into cars and into racing just as yeah, much as all the other characters authenticity and, to yeah, it yeah yeah to your point i wish i'd seen more of her 
in the movie, but I, mm-hmm. I you know, I, she definitely stood out for me than the rest of the rest of the gang, which I thought was great. And then just maybe wish we'd had a little more of her time, but. And it's interesting because the, I, having seen the worst movie first, um, there's this, you, you get the sense that she carries such an importance later on, but I never had a chance to see it. And this movie didn't really give the full clues because she just has a couple of appearances, but by like it, it, almost in an opposite way, I thought that um, Vin Diesel's sister, Mia, like she had, she was much more realistic in this one. She seemed like an actual person, someone who would just kind of show up and have the conversations and, and be there. So I, I thought she was, quite believable. And when you ask the question around the characters, I think it's very contextual because even the Johnny Tran character is so stereotypical in one way. But when you see the scene when the feds raid his home, you really get the sense of this is going to set the guy off because it's like the such a big insult to him, like an honor insult in front of his family, the break-in. Yeah, when um, his father slaps like, him. Like that, right? That is massive, hardcore, and 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 same with uh, same with uh, Paul Walker's boss. He also seems a little bit like you know he doesn't make any difference. But then he's got other things where he shows that oh, he's a real character. He actually seems to care for him. He gives him proper advice. So there are many of these characters that by themselves, like I couldn't say that they're great characters, but they have scenes where you go, oh, I get you. That that was really really well written and well acted. So it's. It's not super consistent in this movie, but I think so many of them have a chance to really shine. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Paul Walker's police captain, like I, I love when Paul Walker's like, just give me a cigarette. And and the police captain's like, no, don't give him a cigarette. Like, it's just like he's generally yeah. worriedly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you quit. He's like, he's worried about his health and, and gives him like genuinely good advice. Uh, like, That's exactly what I mean. Exactly. Brilliant. Yeah, that's really nice. And that's a police captain character you don't really see, which is kind of neat, too. The the other thing you often don't see with the police force is them um, setting up base in some sort of mansion that they have taken over for some reason and then making each other iced cappuccinos. I mean, I, I was very curious about the whole like undercover setup thing in a commandeered mansion or whatever that was. I found that just confusing, but kind of delightful. Like, it it makes me wonder if that is like an L.A. thing, because like when they make fun of L.A. cops in like Die Hard or in Beverly Hills Cop, it, it, it you get that kind of sense of this like weirdly pampered, um, like weirdly pampered police force. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and each city in L.A. has its own police force. And so maybe this is just like a specific Beverly Hills thing or whatever. I don't know. But it, uh, it, it it's it's something that that I've seen in a few movies now that just it makes me really giggle. So uh, a few of the things that stood out for me uh, in the story and, and this is some of those, uh, you know, quarter mile wide plot holes. There's a few points where I was just uh, left scratching my head a little bit. Like there's um, when they're escaping from the, the street racing and the cops are chasing everybody and Dom just decides to pull into a parking garage and then walk away from his car 
when he was already getting away, uh, I was like, what? Of course, it then turns into a chase scene and then Brian comes and saves him. Uh, the whole like robbing trucks that are in motion instead of, you know, the eight other scenes where you've snuck into a garage at night. Okay, cool. The whole uh, conceit of now the truckers are going to fight back because they're tired of getting robbed. Like, oh, okay. Um, There's a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't really make sense. Does it matter? Nah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I mean, like, does it? No. You know, it's just like it, to me. It's like, all right, uh, you could you could hijack a truck while it's uh, sitting at the docks, or you could, you know, grab everything while you're racing, and and that's it. Just it looks cool. I think a lot of it comes down to it looks cool. It's like, okay, well, you know that the truckers are now like this dude's going to have a gun and he's ready for them, like. All right. It's just it's just cool. enough to set the scene. Yeah, it's just and enough to set it the would scene. Make, and it would make for a very short movie. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, there's an element of that, like we talked about with Amadeus, to say it doesn't matter about the historical accuracy. Nah, it makes for a good movie. It's a good story. Um, of course, it would make so much more sense if they just robbed the thing when it was standing still. Or if they're that good at shooting, maybe they shot could have shot the tires and the truck would have just come to a grinding halt. Like there's so many things they could have done. But again, this is cooler. So let's go with the cooler. Yeah, one. they didn't want to damage and all those bizarrely. DVD players in the back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like right. it comes down to like if Wiley Coyote could send away for all of the Acme stuff, why didn't couldn't he like send away for food? for for the for the listeners who weren't there at the time dvd players were carefully calibrated and balanced so you could shake them so therefore they had to (laughs) this time travel moment brought to you by (laughs) old man michael (laughs) Um, amazing i think one of the things that i'm curious whether you would uh if they were you know rebooting this in 2023 is whether they would choose to name the massive race race wars that oh, seems yikes. like a terrible idea in 2023 am i wrong there uh, you you are not wrong i that was one of the notes that i wrote down it's sort of like race wars yikes i mean it, it, to be fair a lot of the portrayal of race in this film is is along racial lines yeah like it, you know it's like okay all of like the, the asian gang you know, the, the asian Latino gang, gang hangs out. Yeah. yeah exactly is that the United States or, or just North America in general, though? Um, yeah, maybe, I don't know. But, you know, but it also lends this kind of um, extra coolness to Vin Diesel, to, to Dom Toretto, because he's kind of like welcomed by everybody. Uh, he's the respected, respected by yeah. everybody. And it's like, why does he have beef with Tran? Well, it's because he slept with his sister. Right. So I think I think it's not just that, but the. I really like that first scene when, when Paul Walker shows up and people showed up, like they, they walked over to him and I thought, oh, this is going to be a fight. It's like, no, this is not going to be a fight. They're just talking. It's like, wow, this is yeah, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally paid attention to this race wars thing because it felt like, actually, when you talk about a reboot, that feels like the next, uh, the Purge movie, the Purge <laughs> race wars. Like, I thought it was the weirdest thing to hear. Here, you get a ticket to the race wars. We're going to, like, it was just, what, wait, uh, did I get this wrong? So, no, I... <laughs> All right, maybe that's a good spot to take a break. And on the other side, we'll talk about how this movie sounds and how that makes the movie feel even more awesome. 
welcome back. So one of the things that makes this movie really stand out is all the things car. They look good. They drive fast. And one of the things that stood out for me is they sound cool. Like, oh, they sound so good. They sound so good in this movie. So tell me what you thought about the way that this movie sounds and the way it brings kind of those cars to life in your ears. Yeah, I mean, I watched this with headphones on um, for the first time. I've watched this film with headphones on and, uh, and oh, man, it was it was great. Like the the engine revs, the tire squeals, like just everything the the sound mixing in this movie is is just fantastic. It just really jacks your adrenaline and uh, and and adds to the whole kind of like bang like street racing is cool. Not the message maybe they want to get across, but street racing is cool. I agree. I I don't know what street racing sounds like, but I imagine it sounds like this and. So much of that had to do with the fact that it felt so real, like the practical effects. Like you could actually believe that this is what it sounds like when you when you do a proper um, slide through a, a, a curve. I was just like, okay, yeah, that that's that's amazing. It really added to it. So I think they did an amazing job, no doubt. Absolutely, I, I will say that there is some research to Evan's point about whether it it should make it look cool or not that there's a higher propensity for people who watch these movies to also speed. Um, so you know. Mission accomplished, I guess. Uh, but it is definitely a part of the movie that makes it awesome. Is just like it's supposed to be these like big, powerful, you know, cars that people have put their heart and soul into. And you get that when, you know, it turns on and you just like feel your living room vibrating from the power of these cars. And it's like so well done. The other part that I thought was uh, pretty well done about this movie in terms of how it sounds was the soundtrack. Like this is yeah, a man. very early 2000s, uh, uh, you know, hip hop, metal, like a bunch of uh, uh, stuff that's in there. Like, how did each of you find the soundtrack uh, played into this film? Dude, it's like this is a banging soundtrack. Like it's it just the whole everything about the sound in this movie, I feel, is meant to hype you up. And it really I, I think they do a great job of that. And like shout out to Ja Rule for uh, uh, providing the uh, the you know emceeing on that that final track over credits. Like it was uh, it was pretty dope. I think so. You just touched on it. You said the final track. I thought the end credits music was better than what showed up in the actual movie. I, I didn't remember as much from the. The, the things that were in the movie, but I thought that the end credits were very good. Generally speaking, though, there was nothing that stood out as a negative, which is it did its job. Like it, it did exactly what it was supposed to be, be there to support every scene. But I particularly remember the end credits and thinking, yeah, that's that's very good. Now, Chris is a hip hop head. Like, what do you, how did how did you feel about the soundtrack? Um, I mean, this isn't necessarily stuff that I was listening to in 2000, but I think it does its job, and I think it plays. Like it, it's the right music for the people who were in the scene. Right. And, and I think yeah. it, I, there was that sense of 
you know, if, if you were at a boxing match, it always felt like somebody was coming to the ring with a new song, you know, like to your point, it's getting you amped up and hyped up at the right times and like, all right, a race is going to happen. And like the right music comes in and everybody's playing the right music in their car, uh, you know, when everybody's like driving somewhere and you've got the music going and that kind of stuff. So it's like, I, like as much as personally, I don't necessarily love all the songs, I felt like they were right for this movie and right for the people who were, you know, playing the songs or whatever. I will also say, like, when you tie it all together, this was a soundtrack that did really well. This was a, a it went platinum. It was like, you know, charted up to like top 10 and on the billboard list and whatever. So like well thought out, you know, for me, this is um, uh, not, not to throw shade in your direction, Evan, but this is like what a well done soundtrack sounds like when you throw a whole lot of music at the movie um, or you it was that shade about uh, empire records soundtrack only a little bit or a lot um but like i, I was like okay i get it it's in context it's diff- different by character like i think i thought it was well done so like I, I appreciate it even though it's like individually that wouldn't be what i picked but like i don't pick the movies or the songs that i like to go into movies you know like so i thought it was perfectly well done for this um before we go, uh, I had a handful of questions that I was very curious to get your thoughts on. So uh, one of the things I was reading uh, was that in the original attempts to cast this movie, uh, the two key roles of Dom Toretto and Brian uh, were originally going to go to Timothy Oliphant and uh, Eminem. What would that movie have looked like? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think, uh, 2001, Timothy Oliphant. Okay. So this is just like pre Deadwood. Uh, yeah, I think Uh, so. Yeah. You know, I think it would be a very different movie. Uh, I don't think it would have been a movie that, um, would have survived, uh, the, this test of time, certainly not, um, you know, launched a thousand, sequels um it, it i think that there's there's something about uh the the blank slate that is paul walker eminem comes in with with uh with eminemness um i could see yeah. eminem maybe uh cameoing as the part of jesse he could have been um, part of the gang yeah i agree yeah, he would have been fine the gang, in the gang but yeah I, I think that it's like, you know, I was saying before that that Brian being a blank slate is so important to to the film. I think that that having someone like Eminem there kind of um, pulls you out of that. And as for like Timothy Oliphant as as Dom Toretto, I, you know, like I'm just not seeing it, especially because Vin Diesel is just like he is Dom Toretto. Like that is who he has become of playing this character over the last like 22 years. But um, I think that it also doesn't give us that kind of um, uh, platforming of, of kind of like multiracial cast. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought it was fascinating. When I was reading that basically this movie got green lit because they were going to get Timmy the elephant uh, oh, whoa. into the role. And then he backed out because he just, previous like the year or whatever before done gone in 60 seconds he's like i don't need another car movie uh which i mean yay for all of us i guess um i think that worked out just fine i think i think it's not i think it's not that simple because all of these what ifs you know it's hard for us to see now because we've seen the success like you said of 22 years i the thing that would have made it work or not work would have been the chemistry the two that particular combination on screen 
if that had been something, sure, it would have been a different movie, but that might have been incredible. It's just so hard to see now because we we have the weight of all of these other ones to kind of look against. Um, but it would be super interesting to see the the screen test uh, for that combination and seeing like, oh, whoa, um, that could have gone in such a different direction. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Eminem passes on this because he's going to do eight mile and I'd love to see, uh, you know, a crossover on that one, though. Just a scene. Vin Diesel in eight mile. Vin Diesel in eight mile uh, freestyling against Eminem as Dom Toretto uh, would be a thing, I think. That would be a good thing. I'm I'm very curious uh, for then for like this is a movie like Evan. Evan is clearly uh, kind of touched on it like this. This launches. Uh, a whole stri- 20 years of movies that is still going strong, has made billions and billions of dollars. Like, what do you think it is about this movie that kind of helps touch off this this franchise? And I'm curious, as somebody who hasn't seen any of the other movies, uh, Michael's at least got one up on me, even if it's a bad one. But like, what is it about this movie that you think, you know, tapped into it and like led led us down this path to this successful series? I think it's about universal themes. Like you, you already mentioned it. There's uh, underlying code, family, friendship, honor, um, a rush to try, like to to kind of like fight through certain things, do the right thing. And like I think that there's something there that just kind of um, is is going to last forever. So I, I think that that's enough to kind of carry it on. Then the execution of an individual. Um, sequel is going to be good or bad but i think that there's enough there that you go okay yeah like there's a common theme that people from across anywhere could tap into and and run with yeah i think there's you know all of those things that we've kind of touched on the that universality of and and heavy underpinning of family um the the fact that that it truly is uh, a multiracial cast. So a lot of people really feeling um, like they're seeing themselves reflected on screen. Um, there's, there's also uh, that, that, that just like racing cars is cool and they do a really, really great job with practical um practical racing and and you have to remember that this is also at a time uh these you know these early films coming out uh of this franchise that uh like action movies are are getting more and more and more cgi'd and you know you're seeing you know the the third matrix movie or the um you know the lord of the rings movies which you know, do some really interesting practical things, but, you know, you can really see where those, um, heavy CGI things come in. And then you've got this movie that has really cool practical stunts and not a lot of things were doing it at that time. You know, it's the same way that John Wick comes out and you're like, damn, like I haven't seen action choreography that just feels like it's hitting in a long time because it's just superheroes now batting each other around. This feels so visceral. There's something so visceral about the action in these films and and then the the there's something so tender and something so um deeply touching about the 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 heart of these films and the family and so you combine those two things and i think they are sort of the films that we 
you know, maybe not the films we wanted, but the films we needed uh, as, <laughs> this as is, uh, this is the Batman going, of movies. Yeah. This is the Batman of movies. There's the other takeaway. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious then. Uh, and I think just kind of tying into that superhero connection um, did two questions. Uh, number one, did both of you catch the post credit scene? Oh yeah. And number two, did they start doing an MCU before MCU did an MCU? Like, were they were they doing the superhero like movie structure before Marvel jumped on the bandwagon? Because I think like there's all these things here. Which, to your point, Evan, like it seems like they were ahead of the curve on like where movies have moved to over the last twenty years. Yeah, I think that they might have been and certainly like always having their finger kind of on the pulse has been one of the reasons why this has been a super successful franchise. And it's great to see something that went from uh, kind of basically an original IP intellectual property to where it is now, because we don't have a whole lot of those. Uh, out there right now, everything. I mean, now there's now there's eleven of these movies, and it's like, okay, well, it's run its course. But like this and John Wick really are the two kind of like big franchises that came out of something original. You know, in this century, everything else is comic books, basically, and video games. But it's also interesting you ask about the end credits because the you know last week we talked about Enter the Dragon. And it was funny to see that, you know, this was shot in an era where end credits were less than 30 seconds long and then they were done because, you know, we had already introduced key points in the intro of the movie, whereas something like this goes on long enough to have three songs and then a, a, a end scene. So it's just like things have changed in so many ways uh, since then. Well, I think that is an excellent place to call it. So that's what we thought about The Fast and the Furious. Uh, we'd love to know what you thought about this movie. Uh, if you punch the Nas to go into overdrive, let us know. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter uh, at How Did You Miss This? That's H-D-Y-M-T underscore pod. And while you're there, take a look at some of the movies that we're going to be watching soon. Uh, send us any questions or ideas that you have that you want us to cover on the show. And if you enjoy what we're doing, do us a favor, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you happen to be listening. And we're going to be back with you next week when we're going to be watching Glengarry Glen Ross and seeing whether that movie still earns its coffee or whether it's something that should have stayed missed. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then. 